0: All right, everybody. It is time for another episode of the Crypto 101 podcast. But before we dive in to our awesome, awesome guest and conversation today, I want to remind you guys of two things. And the first one is that if you go to Crypto101insider.com, you can join our private community. Here's where we have our model portfolio and all of our top picks. We also have a uh, Crypto 101 University. Uh, where we have hours and hours and hours of written and video content that explains blockchain and explains cryptocurrency in a very bite-sized and easy to understand way. Uh And we have a weekly newsletter that goes out and quarterly state of crypto addresses that go out. There is just a ton of value packed into this every which way. So I want you guys first uh, to go to crypto101insider.com today uh, if you haven't already. I also want to remind you guys that Pizza Mind and I recently just finished a book. Uh, It took 11 months of our lives to write back with another guest and this one is uh, one I'm just particularly excited about just because I've been a fan of Terra uh, and this whole ecosystem that uh, has been being built uh, mainly out of South Korea uh, and we are also, as far as I know, uh, and we're, we're joined by the founder of Terra, Do Kwan, who's also a Forbes 30 under 30 a uh, gentleman and a scholar. Doe. Uh, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me on. So, yeah, it's great to be here. I'm excited. So did I get that right, that, that, that you guys are based out of South Korea? Uh, yes. Um, well, so I would say about
1: most of the engineering headcount uh, is in Seoul, but um, I, I would say a decent chunk of the team, about 40 to 45% is in lots of different places in the world.
0: Yeah, that, that makes sense. And so tell us a little bit about your background briefly um, and how you found your way into uh, this new world of finance of cryptocurrency and DeFi.
1: Sure. So um, I studied uh, CS um, in, in college uh, and then I you know, joined Microsoft briefly uh, as a software engineer, mainly working in NLP. And then, uh, you know, that that got pretty boring. So uh, I ended up uh, leading the company and then starting uh, my own startup working in mesh networking. So basically, the idea was that we developed technology for mobile phones and laptops to connect to each other via Wi-Fi, direct and Bluetooth, such that even if like a user doesn't have direct access to the internet, he could still get vicarious access by hopping through a network of other people's phones around them. So we package this into a B2B solution for large enterprises like amusement parks and, uh, you know, shopping malls and things like that. And then so so the idea would be that you save a lot of the costs on having to offer uh, networking to your employees and customers. So I ran that business for a while and then given that that's in the realm of distributed networks, uh, started to come across, uh, you know, Bitcoin and Ethereum. And then, like really, like the tipping point for me was like when, uh, like, in late two thousand sixteen, early two thousand seventeen, or so, like, um, like a friend of mine from college invited me to a Facebook chat with eight people, and they were all talking about, you know, like Bitcoin and like Ethereum and Monero, uh, and then sort of, sort of like the level of discussion in that chat was way higher than what you could, you know, read in like newspaper articles or like a random Reddit post. So that's that's when I started to get hooked in. And I uh, started to spend more and more time in like meetups and speaking to other people in the industry uh, before making this jump full time into crypto uh, in 2017.
0: Nice. And so, so tell us about this very uh, unique ecosystem that you're building at Terra and, you know, kind of at a high level, what's going on?
1: Yeah, so there's a lot of fascinating things that's happening in crypto. So, the, I, I mean, really, like the landscape looks so different from 2017. There's a lot of useful things being built. There, uh, the, just a the level, of product and engineering is on another level with what you saw three years ago, uh, as well as well as like the pool of talent and the uh, set of companies that are that are working on tackling important problems. I think what differentiates the Terra ecosystem uh, a little bit is that we tend to look outwards uh, instead of inwards. So what that means is that even though there's like interesting things that are coming out of crypto, generally most of the biggest names in crypto tend to solve uh, problems looking inwards into the crypto industry, which means that if you look at like, let's say uh, like yield farming or like lending markets, it just makes it easy and more capital efficient for people that are already earning and spending in crypto to be able to do more things in the ecosystem. But the way that we're different is that we look outwards, which means that we think really hard about how we can take blockchain and uh, DeFi technologies and then use that to solve problems for people uh, in the real world. So for example, like a part of the thing, so for example, like uh, some of the things that we're working on Terra is that we have something called mirror protocol, for instance, which is a synthetic assets protocol that creates tokens that track the price of real world assets like let's say U.S. equities or ETFs or commodities. And this is valuable because, you know, there's billions of people in the world that don't currently have the right uh, KYC credentials or access to capital to be able to tap into investment opportunities and uh, such as, you know, like the ability to buy U.S. equities. But uh, through Mirror Protocol, like you can now buy these tokens and buy the price exposure to the asset class in any DEX in the world, like let's say Uniswab, Sushiswab, Swap, and so on and so forth.
0: Yeah, I, I'm, I've, I've been following Mirror Protocol and I, I really like the stuff that you're doing over there. And, and that's just one aspect of, um, you know, what Terra can, you know, what programmable money and all this uh, can really, uh, what sort of effect it can have. Um, but I've also sort of thought of like the Luna token a little bit in my own mind. And I just wanted some clarification. I've thought of it similar to like the Maker token. Is that a similar comparison where the maker token has, you know, the governance rights and it's kind of that like backstop? Um, does Luna play a similar role or, or maybe I should just ask what is, you know, how does Luna work in the system?
1: Yeah. So it's, it's different. So I, the, the better uh, equivalency would be between ether and Thai, right? Cause at, like mm-hmm. maker DAO as a project is great. And Thai is one of the most prominent stable coins in existence, But there's actually no linearity between, you know, the growth in the the adoption of THAI, the stablecoin, and then the value accrual to MKR, the asset. And that's because the reserve asset, the main reserve asset of MakerDAO is uh, Ethereum itself. And then the MKR is just a governance token that sometimes accrues some value, but um, it's not in line with the transaction fees or like the market cap that THAI is reaching. Right. So for Luna, it's dead simple, right? So the more that Terra is adopted, the more Luna becomes valuable. And this is because of two reasons. Number one, every time that a Terra stablecoin is transacted, a small portion of the fee, let's say 0.5%, is taken from the transaction and then paid out to people that stake Luna in in the blockchain. So as Terra gets more and more adopted throughout payments, uh, throughout, let's say, trading, Luna starts to accrue more and more cash flow. So that, that's valuable. Uh, the second thing is uh, Luna. Uh, in order to mint a dollar's worth of Terra stablecoin, you need to burn a dollar's worth of Luna, which means that as more and more Terra is minted, Luna becomes more and more scarce. So you can think about Luna as sort of like a equity token in Terra's growing DeFi ecosystem, with a ever diminishing supply and a hundred percent propensity to dividend.
0: Wow. That's phenomenal. Yeah. It's more that, you know, that's definitely uh, more than I knew. And I'm glad that I asked that question. Uh, it makes me a little bit more bullish on uh, Luna and like that ecosystem that's forming. And It seems like you guys have been just moving a lot quicker than some of the other ecosystems. Can you tell me a little bit about like how your guys' team is struck? Like how do you got? how are you guys just continuing to push so much code and just develop at such a, a quick rate? Yeah. I mean, I, I,
1: I think a function of this is is that we just have more people than most projects. So as soon as a portion of our projects start to to find product market fit, we generally hire general managers and then sort of spin that out into separate entities so that they can operate independently. So uh, like everyone under the Terra family of products, probably like 150 people at this point. And then uh, sort of, you know, like I I would say compared to most The projects were just a little bit better organized with better accountability, better, uh, HR policies and things like that. So we're able to parallelize and ship a lot of products uh, in tandem because it's more of like a collection of, you know, 10 different startups working on different things, sharing common HQ resources and, uh, and, uh, rules.
0: I think that makes a lot of sense. I've kind of always had this question, but I never really phrased it, but I think, it's kind of going to compare and contrast an ecosystem like you've just described with PayPal for instance it kind of tries to solve a similar problem right and so that's one very clear like differentiation of of you know a money network like PayPal and a money network like Terra but could you kind of and maybe it's a gross compare and contrast maybe it doesn't line up as well but it can you kind of get because people know what PayPal is and I'm just trying to make that like comparison that there's like alternative money networks like Terra. so can you try and compare and contrast the two uh, between the money market and, and the market? Or, sorry, between PayPal and between mm. like Terra money
1: mm. yeah so if you so I I think the biggest difference is um, for PayPal they do a couple of different things uh, it's it's largely in the realm of payments but um, really everything that is happening on PayPal is sort of constrained by two different factors. Like number one, uh, as you get grow- bigger and bigger in, in uh, fintech, the closer and closer that you start to converge to a bank. And what that means is that, you know, all the sort of the sexy pedigree and like the patina that, that surrounded the PayPal mafia back in, uh, let's say, the 2010s or so is no longer there. It's like, literally, I don't think there's a big difference between walking into H- PayPal headquarters in Palo Alto and then like a Wells Fargo branch. Right? Yeah. So, and that's because like you start to get uh, more and more bureaucratic and overregulated, the bigger and bigger that you get in FinTech. Mm. So the pace of innovation and the pace that which you you can build is different because uh, just because, like, you're, you're 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 sort of constrained the amount uh, by by the amount of legacy regu- uh, regulations and uh, you know uh, appeasing a lot of uh, political factions, like you just can't move at the same pace. So that's that's one. Uh, and number two, like for similar reasons, as you get uh, larger and larger uh, in fintech, you need to become more and more closed, which means that you need to be more protective of your network you know, from interoperating with some of the other networks. So you, you, you need to be anti-competitive to defend your network effect. And number two, uh, because, it, because of a precise reason that uh, you become more and more overregulated, you need to sort of close yourself off from uh, various different communities. You need to be more secretive about how you run uh, your practices. You can't speak to the same number of people anymore because like you get larger and larger, but uh, which is opposite to what we're doing at, at Terra, because we're trying to build up like a mirrored version of traditional finance on top of the Terra stack, right? So we're trying to create payments whereby uh, settlements can only be constrained by the expressivity of smart contracts. We're trying to create these primitives, uh, synthetic primitives that track the price of real world assets and then use them as building blocks uh, in, let's say, uh, different types of lending protocols to enable new use cases like the ability to do margin trading on top of, uh, equity stocks or like the ability to earn yield on, uh, on equities that you simply can, uh, do before. So in that sense, like we're able to preserve a lot of the innovative energy and may remain open to a lot of what we're doing, uh, externally with the community.
0: Yeah, that's fascinating. And, and since you kind of are on the topic of regulation, I I'm just curious, like, like how does a product like that get viewed? I mean, again, Terra is, you know, it's, it's multinational, it's intercontinental, all that kind of stuff, but having a pseudo, like, you know, having something that just mirrors a security it, in that create, that means it, it's not a security. Like, can you kind of talk about the dynamic that's at play here?
1: Yeah. So the answer is quite simple. This only works if you try to capture no value for yourself. So it only works if you're selfless. So what we did when we launched Mirror is that we uh, created a governance token called MIR, which most project teams would either choose to retain for themselves or sell to investors or uh, you, you know sell to the community in the open market. But we kept zero pre-mine for the team. And then we gave all the tokens away to various people in the community, like people that hold Uni tokens, people that hold Luna, uh, and then so on and so forth. So um even if mirror does well, like nothing really happens to me, like, I don't don't benefit uh, financially in any direct sense. Um, So, you know, like in in open source networks, like Terra, you're starting to see really amazing things like, if you sort of enable the ability for people to collaborate on a set of problems, then you see lots of altruism, like, you know, giving away assets and not having to take direct upside. And that's what we've done. Right. So it's really hard to regulate when you don't control the network that's being built out. And if you look at Mirror, most of the development is in the hands of the community now. Uh, and then, so basically, no control, no profit incentive, and then uh, no owner keys. And yeah, and after that, like, you can't really blame me for writing some code.
0: Right? No, I, I think it's really cool. And, and it's definitely unique. And I think that, you know, I actually, I wrote a newsletter last week, or maybe it was two weeks ago. And part of the portion of the newsletter was on Mirror because it was the only protocol out there right now with maybe the exception of uh, Uma or, or whatever. Uh, but, but, but it's pretty much the only protocol out there right now that is doing what you're doing. And I think it was a perfect time uh, for this whole GameStop and these centralized brokerages, um, you know, going completely like completely cutting access off to certain uh, stocks, right? You know, 50 stocks got halted trading on some of these different brokerages. And for a system like Mirror to exist, like for a system like Mirror to exist in the face of all of this scandal was like, to me, the most powerful thing in the world. So I was like, oh, I'm going to dedicate my newsletter to this today. And, and it was just such a, like, a drastic, like eye-opening moment was like, sometimes we think in crypto like, oh, we're building these, pro- th- these solutions. And then people say, oh, it's not a problem. You're just building a solution for not a problem. Like, stop. And it's like, no, these are problems. They just haven't been excavated yet. And so finally, one of these problems really did get excavated and, you know, uh, people lost access. And so I-, I really do think that, you know, the mirror protocol has, has so much potential to change the, the way capital flows around the world. I mean, you guys are doing a great job.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it was perfect timing because it was, yeah, with the Wall Street bets, you started to see a lot of legacy uh, fintech pieces of infrastructure, like Robinhood grind to a halt.
0: Yeah. Uh, So you
1: saw sort of hedge funds and regulators working in tandem to try to shut down grassroots systems that was using market rules in a fair and transparent way. Mm -hmm. And on the other, other end of the spectrum, you started to see brokerages like Robinhood you know, fail to use existing legacy rails in edge cases that they couldn't predict before. So it was like a sort of like a Hail Mary moment where people started to realize the value of robust decentralized systems where you can trade 24 seven, regardless of what other people are telling you. So no market participants can change the rules against you. And secondly, like it's, it's robust because it runs over decentralized network where, you know, any of the nodes could be servicing your request. So it's like a perfect time uh, for mirror to launch. And you saw like lots of inbound demands, uh, you know, uh, buy into, you know, mirrored assets on like Uniswap and TerraSwap. Uh, this is kind of like protest buys all over the place. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, it's very, very, very interesting.
0: Yeah. I, I was part of the movement as well. So <laughs> I was excited about that. And um, yeah, I, th- I man, I, I just really enjoyed, you know, getting to spend half an hour with you. Um, is there any last, Things that we like, you know, we didn't cover that you wanted to make sure uh, the good citizens of Crip Nation uh, had heard?
1: Yeah, so uh, we work on, you know, payments. So uh, and then we work on, you know, uh, investments and in synthetics through Mirror. So the sort of the last piece of uh, the Terra puzzle or the Terra MVP, if you will, uh, comes out in uh, over the next few weeks in the form of anchorprotocol.com. So what anchorprotocol.com is, is that it's a way to generate stable yields on, on stable coins. Yeah. So like if if you like keep money at Wells Fargo, you get to zero rates, right? But if you keep money in Anchor, you start to get attractive rates. of let's say seven to 10%. That's powered by, uh, yeah, that, that, that's powered by um, proof of staking awards that are coming coins, from.
0: Right? Yeah, yeah. I love that. I mean, I, I compl- I'm i so bummed that I forgot to ask about Anchor, but I was reading about that and I was like, wow, how novel. You have this protocol that gets basically its interest rates paid by the proof of stake of a bunch of different networks. So it's really sufficiently decentralized. It's fascinating. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, Doe, I really appreciate you coming on and, and, and um, we are, are going to be keeping tabs on everything um, and we'll see you soon.
1: Yeah, sounds great. It's uh, great to be here. Cool.
0: You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator